Hello, and welcome to Better Strangers, facing a bleak world with hope, curiosity, and imagination. My name is Matt Hershberger. I am the writer and editor, uh, and this is the audio version of the article going out on Friday, November 3rd, 2023. For those of you who are new to the site, every Friday I kind of do a, a weekly roundup of uh, links and books and things that might interest you if you're enjoying the uh, topic that we're currently on. So for this month, the theme is revolutions. Um, uh, earlier this week, I talked about uh, John Carpenter's 1988 movie, They Live, and how it really nicely explains some uh, leftist media theory. And then on Wednesday, uh, we talked about Andreas Malm's How to Blow Up a Pipeline um, and the strategic and moral arguments behind nonviolence and sabotage. Um, there are links in the article, so go check those out. Uh, coming up next week, I've got a couple of other very interesting things. I've got on Monday, we're going to be doing for our Book Rex um, column, we're looking at anarchist revolutions, specifically in the books V for Vendetta by Alan Moore, The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin, and Infinite Detail by Tim Mott. Um, so if that sounds like your thing, tune in next week, uh, and that'll be coming out then. So here is the article for today. When I was a kid in the 90s, it was a cliche that conservative white men all suddenly got really obsessed with World War II the minute they entered middle age. It was part of a midlife crisis, I suspect, in which they realized that the only thing they'd read since graduation were Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Book of Virtues, or a business how-to guide written by either Jack Welch or Donald Trump's charm mentor, Norman Vincent Peale. World War II history represented a safe space in which white men could engage intellectually with a topic while also not being exposed to anything remotely resembling criticism of the United States, its policies, or its history. There was a whole cottage industry that sprung up around this obsession, from Tom Brokaw's book The Greatest Generation to Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan. As I am inching towards middle age, I am hoping that I go through a similar obsession, but instead of obsessing over World War II military tactics, I want to get obsessed with revolution and the Cold War. Given that this month's theme is revolutions, I figured I'd kick off the month's roundups by discussing some revolutionary history resources. So uh, these are some deep dives to check out. Easily the most in-depth look at revolution that I've ever come across is Mike Duncan's Spectacular Revolutions podcast. It is an extremely in-the-weeds look at revolutions through history, covering the English Revolution, the French Revolution, the American Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, the Bolivarian Revolution, the Paris Commune, the Mexican Revolution, and the Russian Revolution. Uh, he stopped with Russia, but one can only hope he comes back someday to cover the anti-colonial and communist revolutions of the 20th century in places like Ireland, China, India, Algeria, and Vietnam. I do have a link for that in the text of the article if you're listening to this on Spotify or uh, Apple or iTunes podcasts. Uh, in the notes to the show, it should also be on there. For those interested in the Russian Revolution, the most interesting book I've read is China Meville's October, which relates the history of 1917 Russia through a broadly Marxist lens. Neville's book is a retrospective, published a full century after the events. For an on-the-ground account, the place to start is John Reed's famous Ten Days That Shook the World, which has an introduction written by none other than Vladimir fucking Lenin. Um, just a footnote, um, fucking, I don't believe, was Vladimir's patronymic in Russian? I think it was something else. Illich. I think it was Illich. Last year, I read my first ever book on the Mexican Revolution, and it blew my mind that this massive event, which happened just over our U.S. border, was so thoroughly unmentioned in my American schooling. Adolfo Gilly's The Mexican Revolution, which is part of Howard Zinn's People's History series, is a great place to start. 
Finally, if any one person is associated with revolution, it is Ernesto Che Guevara. Journalist John Lee Anderson wrote an extensive biography of the famed revolutionary's life, and in the process, he managed to discover Guevara's lost body. He had been executed by CIA operatives in the Bolivian jungle in order to have it returned to Cuba. The story of Che's life reads like revolutionary parable. He was radicalized during a trip, uh, trip around South America on a ramshackle motorcycle, made militant by a US, U.S.-backed coup in Guatemala, and he cut his teeth in the Cuban Revolution. The truly interesting part is what happens after they won. Che's idealism was often at odds with the geopolitical realities that Castro faced during the Cold War, and everyone, it seems, breathed a sigh of relief when he left government to become a full-time communist revolutionary in places like Africa and South America. Uh, finally, I again have these linked in the uh, liner notes or on uh, the uh, the substack if you want to see it, um, but I have written several articles on revolution in the past, um, and I just wanted to link to those, talk about those briefly here um, if you want to go and check those out. I did an article on why the Spanish Civil War matters. Um, from a book's perspective, this is my absolute favorite revolution, uh, although it ended absolutely terribly. Um, it is uh, the focus of... Um, Ernest Hemingway's For Whom the Bell Tolls, uh, George Orwell's fantastic homage to Catalonia, uh, also some of my all-time favorite movies like uh, Pan's Labyrinth, and actually Cameron de Toro did another one. I forget what it was. I think it was The Devil's Backbone was set in the Spanish Civil War. Um, also, books, um, the, um, oh, the Cemetery of Forgotten Books series, uh, The Shadow of the Wind by uh, Carlos Ruiz Zafon is a fantastic book set right after uh, kind of the aftermath of uh, the Spanish Civil War. I also did an article on the Russian Revolution on the anniversary of the February Revolution earlier this year. Um, it's titled Happy Russian Revolution Day. Um, in that, I talk a lot more about China Meville's October and kind of how I think the left today is still grappling with the just absolutely huge implications of what happened in Russia early last century. Um, the revolution was really like the hope for the left wing for a very long time, and it could not have turned out much more horrific than it did. And I don't think that we've ever fully come to terms with just like the consequences of, um, of what the Ru Russian revolution meant for, um, for any sort of left wing or even progressive movement. And finally, I have an article that I wrote on um, the book Strike um, by uh, Jeremy Brecker, uh, and this is Notes on the History of Labor Revolts. Uh, I did this a year ago, and uh, full disclosure, that was before I had read Kim Kelly's fantastic book, Fight Like Hell, which is kind of an alternative history. Uh, it's not alternative. It's just that she included people that weren't white men. Um, she kind of goes into the history of... Um, of strikes in the United States and how the labor movement has worked. She goes out of her way to focus on people who have been marginalized in the telling of the history of strikes before, um, which is to say basically anyone who is not white male. Um, so she does focus on migrant workers, on um, sex workers, on women, and, um, and on um, people of color. Uh, this is something that you know really has been missing, I think, in the history of this movement for, you know, the past hundred years or so. It really was fully dominated by the white guys. Um, the article I wrote last year does not talk about that because I hadn't read it yet. It does talk about Jeremy Brecker's strike, which is actually a history of times that people rebelled against their labor union leadership to strike, even though they said, you know, don't. Those are called wildcat strikes. Um, and it's really like a, just a totally fascinating history of um, how this labor movement has gotten us to where we are in the United States. And I think if anyone really wants to change anything, you need to know your history for that because 
striking works, man. I mean, it's the United Auto Workers got it. The, you know, it looks like um, well, the Writers Guild got it. Screen, screen. I mean, like they're getting to a point where pretty much everyone seems to be winning right now. So um, hard to imagine a better way of helping things get better in this country than uh, either unionizing at your work or getting involved uh, in the union that you already belong to. So that is it for this week. I will see you um, Monday for our discussion of anarchist revolutions in fiction.